This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into another edition of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Every NHL playoff series has now got one game in the books following last night's results. Underdogs, road dogs, everybody picking up wins on a great night of NHL action last night. The Blue Jays bounce back with a big win. Producer Taylor stoked about that. Chris Bassett looking like the guy that they uh, hoped they had signed in this offseason. He was great. We'll uh, chat some Jays later on as they uh, continue their series against Houston tonight. But, of course, we'll uh, also look ahead to another busy night of uh, playoff action. We'll chat with uh, Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. He's the producer of the Jeff Merrick Show out there. Chat all things uh, NHL playoffs with Matt. Leafs with a uninspiring game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. We call that one the Cam Curse. That's brutal. You picked them. In seven, in seven, they've got time. Did you mean they would give up seven goals in the first game? Well, maybe. Uh, Lots of news uh, injury-wise to get to ahead of uh, tonight's matchups as well. Uh, The status of Patrice Bergeron and Joe Pavelski. We'll get into all of that uh, as the afternoon rolls on. Those are my producers, Cam and Taylor on the other side. They do a fantastic job every single day. Uh, getting the program to you here on Sportsnet 960 The Fit. Let's kick things off like we always do, though. Time for a chat with Peter Labardius as we go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline and say hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Peter Labardius is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. They know your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Make sure to give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am good, thank you. Uh, with a busy start to the week, thanks to the uh, Brad Treliving news, we didn't really get a chance to get into this, and I thought now would be the, the perfect time. We'll obviously chat some uh, NHL playoffs as there was another great four matchups last night. But before we get there, uh, I thought that we'd take these next couple of days and look at some interesting uh, topics around the Calgary Flames sure. and a couple of groups specifically as we finish out the week here the next couple of days. And I thought today would be a good day to look back at the forward group for the Calgary Flames and see what went wrong. And maybe some guys that did have some, you know, outstanding years. And there were a couple that definitely stood out in a positive way. And the first couple that I, I'd bring to your attention to on the positive side of things was, uh, especially number 73, Tyler Toffoli. We talked so much about the offensive struggles uh, for this team this year. This is a guy that didn't struggle offensively and might've been, the Flames' most consistent offensive weapon all year long. What did you see this year from Tyler Toffoli that you liked? I just saw a really motivated, really consistent, um, clutch career year. Never seemed to waver very much in terms of the kind of game he brought to the table. Uh, was really good in particular, I thought, in the back half of the year. So... I have, I have a lot of time and respect for Tyler Toffoli. I think he's always been motivated by the hard stuff and people telling him, you know, a lot of the early talk, even on our radio station, not necessarily on this program, was was he good enough to be a top six winger? I think 
he showed that he was uh, more than good enough to do that. And, and I do. And he made mention of it a couple of times that, you know, they all hear that stuff. They all hear that stuff. And some people respond really well and other people don't respond very well to negativity or people doubting them. And he responded very well and have even more respect for people this season who had very consistent and quality, quality years in a season filled of disappointment and others not meeting expectations. Another young man that had a career year points-wise, Dylan Dubé, 45 points in 82 games this year. Lou, he found himself in a number of different scenarios and positions for this Calgary Flames team as they tried to make it work all year long. Eventually, as the year would go on, I think he'd spend probably his most time on that line with Lindholm and Toffoli, but there were times where he formed uh, a pairing with Manjapani and Kadri as a as a line earlier on this season. Dylan was at times moved up and down the lineup this year, and all of it culminates, like I mentioned, in those 45 points, and that's a career high for Dylan. But what did you see from the youngster this year as he continues uh, and finished his first full 82-game season of his career? Well, I saw more consistency than I've ever seen before. I think the numbers he put up is very related to that statement. However, in saying that, I can't tell you even at this point exactly where I think he fits. And thus the reason why he was moved up and down a lot, which is versatility. Logan, his his greatest attributes are his speed and his ability to shoot the puck. And so when he plays with great pace and he plays with some bite and he gets pucks to the net and he retrieves pucks, he's an excellent player. I wouldn't say, and I try not to be too negative, I wouldn't say that Dylan's ever been what I would call a elite playmaking player. So when he, like I said, uses his speed, shoots the puck, you know, he's always going to have a spot in your nine for sure, if not higher. I just can't tell you exactly right now, you know, into his career, exactly how he fits. I just know he's getting better, and and that's the most positive thing. Uh, Another positive to look at this year, Michael Backlund had a great season for the Calgary Flames, Lou, and yes, those comments at the end of the year concerning for many, and and that'll be a situation that has to be dealt with for the Calgary Flames going forward. But when you look back at the 82 that was for Michael Backlund this season, has there been a better season in Flames Silks for Michael Backlund than what we saw this year? Not for me. Not for me. Took ownership. Um, really, I think, gained tremendous confidence from the type of postseason he had in 2022. It carried over. He was challenged to play a little bit harder. Uh, You know, we found out at the end of the year that he was really one of the two co-captains on the team, along with Chris Tanev, Um, has been here a long time. And not only just because he you know, found a career best, but he did it in a year where it was super hard and super negative. And to me, that's why seasons like the one he had or the one to Foley had, I think speaks volumes. It's really difficult to do when the surroundings around you, the atmosphere, the mood, all of it, the noise, that's when it's hard to be good. And like Tyler Toffoli, Michael was, was excellent. Just excellent. And those comments at the end of the year, I don't think that they were anything, and I, I'm sure you would agree, I don't think they were anything off board. It's just, I, I think it was a really honest Michael Backlund looking at things and where he is at this point in his career, Lou, and understanding that he is 34 years old and the ultimate goal is to, to win a Stanley Cup and he wants to see what, comes here in Calgary before deciding whether or not to sign another extension with the group. I was curious what you would have made hearing from Michael Backlund on Locker Cleanout Day. Well, I mean, we we did get to that a little bit last week, and Mm -hmm. it was the most concerning thing I'd heard from anybody. 
in the couple of days and including earlier this week. Because when your longest serving player and one of your leaders isn't exactly sure whether he wants to be part of the solution or if he feels like he's done all he can do in Calgary, that's a concern. For me, that's a big concern. On the there others, are no sorry, more no. concerning words than what came out of Michael Backlund's mouth. In many ways, Logan, that really reinforced how broken in many ways things really were this season. I think that's a really good way to put it, Lou. Um, so a couple of positives, and of course, uh, as we know, whenever you miss the playoffs, there's going to be negatives, and uh, the two names that no doubt will come up most when you talk about this forward group were the underperformances uh, from Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. It's a historic drop in points, Lou, when it's all said and done for Jonathan Huberto from 115 points last year with the Florida Panthers to just 55 with the Calgary Flames in year one. His eight-year contract extension kicks in this season. What what happened for Jonathan Huberto in, in year one that made it such a difficult transition in your mind? Well, again, as we summarize, it's not anything different, Logan, that I've been talking about going all the way back to November. He was fired by the Florida Panthers. And he had that change um, I think virtually come out of nowhere. What I've been told even in the last couple of weeks is, you know, when that phone call came in the summer, he was actually thinking it might be a phone call about extending him, not sending him somewhere else. And I don't think he was ready to get by that. And on top of that, from a hockey standpoint, he lost his confidence. He said that in his exit meetings, you know, that, ran it. I asked him about it. Um, Yeah, he lost his way. And I don't think the environment was very good for him and who he is and what he's all about. At one point in this season, Ray Ferraro confided in me to say that, you know, Ray had chatted with someone who was pretty close to Jonathan and didn't see Jonathan as necessarily fitting well as a sensitive, caring guy under a no-nonsense type in Daryl. Now, and I've also said this many times, will that be up to Jonathan to do better with? Yeah. And there's also no doubt in my mind that he's going to. But it wasn't time. And I started saying it in November And I felt that way all the way along. And then he confirmed two things. Well, I haven't forgotten about how to play hockey. But he lost his way and lost his swagger. And you lose your swagger and your confidence because you don't believe you're as good as you used to be. And that doesn't happen for no reason. So, you know, that's why I asked him on exit day, is someone who's known him since he was 17. Mm. How do you get it back? How do you get it back? What he needs, Logan, is he needs some time. And then he needs to own his part of it, which he will, because that's the kind of person that he is. And then I truly believe it's going to be a bit of a different approach, potentially even from people um, letting him know how he needs to go about his business. Because if that doesn't change a little and he doesn't change, it's not going to get fixed here. It's not. It's going to take both sides. And I'm not 100% sure that that's going to happen. Uh, what about the other big forward acquisition this year, Nazem Kadri, Lou? 56 points in 82 games. It was a red-hot start to his uh, first year in Calgary. Uh, included a win over his former team, the Colorado Avalanche. And I, I remember because I-, I went over and was talking to Naz with the rest of the media group when he got his Stanley Cup ring, and uh, he was beaming, and he seemed very happy and ready to move on with his career here in Calgary. And 
look, it's always tough to to leave a group in Colorado like that that just won a Stanley Cup, and I, I have no doubt, and I think people from the outside looking in could tell you it's pretty easy to say that I'm sure Nazem would have loved to have stayed in Colorado, but the money just didn't work. What? This is a hard one for me because what it wasn't necessarily all bad for Nazem this year, but I think at times he looked dramatically different than the guy that Flames fans and probably Flames management were hoping to see. And why that is, I think, is a is a tough question, Lou. Um, it's it's not a hard one for me, actually, Logan. Okay, it really isn't. And and here's the reasons why. Whether people want to hear it or not, I'm just going to be straight up, and you're going to find I'm going to be more straight up moving forward than I ever have been. Nazem came off the greatest moment in his career and greatest moment in his life. And you talked about how excited he was. So it started well. And then he hit a rut. And I think what really happens in a lot of cases is Nazem Kadri personality-wise and Jonathan Huberto um, couldn't be any more polar opposite. Jonathan's sensitive. Nazem, for all I can ever remember, going even back to his early days in the Ontario League in Kitchener, has always been confident, has never, ever, and I think he has a career track record of saying it, he's never been afraid to tell people what he thinks. And I think he reached a point coming out of Colorado with how they run their program in comparison, where I don't think he liked it. And I think he told people, and I don't think they liked it. And that's what I think the problem was. And I can tell you very easily and straight up, when you feel like you have a lot to offer, And then you get frustrated because there isn't the buy-in around you that you'd really like. You can't be at your best. Because it pisses you off. And you let that get the best of you as opposed to digging in and being more of what got you there. The frustration wins over your best. And I think that's what happened to him. In fact, I'd sit down in a room with him if I ever got the chance, and I'd flat out ask. And whether he'd tell me or not, I don't think I'm missing it. When you look at this group heading into the offseason, Peter, I'm curious how you see what might come next for them. And I know that's a tough question given the fact that we don't know who the general manager is and what his preference may or may be for, you know, adding players or, you know, maybe subtracting players from the roster. But uh, a lot of money is already committed to next season, so we know there won't be big spending when it comes to the forward group. But when you see this group as a whole, what would you like to see this group added next year? What do you think they need to add to get better and to get to some of the levels we expected them to get to this year? I, I think they really need to add this. I think they need to add and understand that they have to go about their business different when Daryl remains the coach. And you have two choices. You learn from him, you accept it, and you do better, or it's not going anywhere. To me, it's not about talent, lack thereof, although there's some areas um, I'd like to see more of the kids get an opportunity. I'd like to see them find a way to inject a little bit more pace into their lineup. But I think at the top of the list for even the two players that we just talked about and others, you have more knowledge than you've ever had before. So either you come back and you do better with it, or maybe you need to do something else. Because that's the reality of the situation. But knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And going through hard stuff can make you better. 
And you just have to understand. And again, I'm not being critical when I say this. No. Because this comes right out of Daryl's mouth, not mine. When it comes to older veteran players, he cares about one thing. You come to work, you do your job, and you produce. Do I think that's for everybody in the modern-day NHL player? No, I don't. So how do you do better with that? That's well, how I see it. Well, so to people, me, it's, sorry, it's more about mindset. It's, it's more about guys playing better. And it, I, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind, Logan, even if you march the same team back, they'll be a better team. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Yeah. Now, how much better do I think they're a true perennial contender? No, I'm not sure that I do. Because until you start having more answers at the end of every season on a regular basis, and until it's one in and one out, you're not going where you need to be. Richard Fidelabardia sees the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, uh, talking all things Flames forwards. Uh, we'll dive into some NHL playoff topics next, but we'll uh, we'll talk Flames defensemen tomorrow on the show with Lou, and that'll be an interesting group to look at uh, for sure that had some of their own ups and downs this season. But uh, flashing back to last night, Lou, uh, four good games across the NHL schedule and four road wins. Rangers, Jets, Lightning, and Kraken all walk into opposing buildings last night and pick up a victory. Of course, the big one, Tampa Bay uh, stunning the Maple Leafs 7-3 in Game 1. What uh, game on the schedule last night caught uh, most of your attention? Well, it was the game I spent more time on than any of the others was the Leafs game and watched it very closely. Until it got to a point where I started flipping over because at six two I knew that, uh, and and probably at three nothing to be honest I knew, and it's it's interesting at how well non favorites and road teams have done. Again, further to this conversation, how the Flames do at home this year, and how did they do in big situations at home? Not well. I, if I had my way in terms of if I was the higher seed, and of course it won't happen, <laughs> I'd want to play game one on the road. I'd want the series to go one, two, then I get two, then one, one. That's what I'd want. I'd always want to play as the higher seed the first game on the road. Because I get my group together. I get them away from home. I get rid of the distraction. And I go and I play on the road. And then I get to come home for two. Now, it's never going to happen just because there'd be enough people that would say the opposite. I just, honestly, Logan, to me, and I ask a lot of people, and I'd say about, 90% of people in hockey agree with me, and that is, and it's not a hockey thing, it's a generational thing. I don't think players of the last 10 years have been brought up or deal with hard, and it's hard at home, especially in Canada. It's hard. How'd the Oilers do in game one at home? Good for a bit. Colorado do. Yeah. The Leafs soiled themselves. They were awful. Yep. They didn't look like them. They would have lost to anybody in the NHL last night. They were pedestrian. They looked nothing like themselves. And I had two conversations even this morning with people who like the Leafs a lot. And I just said, A, let's keep this in mind. That's one night. One. And in sports to me, when you are god-awful and get beat, especially early in a series, that could be a really good thing. They turn pucks over. 
they were not ready last night to play at a pace that NHL playoff hockey and intensity requires. That was a classic case of a team that knows how to do it when it's hard and a group that has some people who do, but other people who don't and haven't. And if that doesn't get figured out, the Leafs are going to get beat again. Now, the interesting wrinkle about all of it is with no Chernak, and if there's no Hedman, and if Toronto can't come back even from a one-game deficit with their talent and ability, then it's, then it's got bigger issues than you might have thought. But I say it all the time. The one thing I look for in athletes more than ever, and it usually starts sooner rather than later, who does well when it's the most difficult and demands the most? And in 2023, when I examine and look at players, I'm looking even harder at that than I ever did before because I think less young athletes are cut out for hard than they've ever been before. Lou, I appreciate the time as always, pal. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We will chat again uh, on the Thursday, hey? Okay, have a great afternoon, everybody. Take care. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. He comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and he's uh, on the program every single day. Usually kicks us off, uh, thanks to our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. They know your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at the Gemini Group. We're going to keep the Flames talk going next. We'll bring in the producers and take a look at the Flames UFA list heading into the offseason. They don't have a GM next, but we'll play uh, our best uh, GM versions next and decide which Flames UFAs we're keeping and which which ones we're parting ways with. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sports that today's rolling on. Hour one continues. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Uh, very happy to be joined uh, as well as my, he's almost like my regular producer as well since he's here all the time. I've always got Cam and Taylor here, but uh, Brody from Brody on the Beat, big show in the morning. Uh, you know him, you love him, is also here this afternoon. What's up, Rhodes? Oh, not much. Uh, just finished up Brody on the Beat for tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We're asking the people of Calgary. If they were to apply for the GM job with the Flames, how would they sell themselves? So, wow, some pretty fun answers. Well, we remember hearing from Don Maloney the other day that his phone was blowing up with people he hadn't heard from from 15, 20 years ago. All of a sudden, the GM job comes up, and uh, you're the most popular man in hockey. And, uh, yeah, only 32 of those jobs, bro. So you got to bring something special to the table if you want to be the next Flames GM, hey? Yeah, you got to, well, I think some people had to fib a little bit to try mm. and bolster their resumes, but got some pretty good, pretty good I believe that's how you got here. your job here, too. <laughs> that's not correctly. true. That's not true. Maybe in the questions you asked me, but that's uh, about maybe, it. That's fair. Uh, so speaking of the Flames GM, we don't know who that's going to be yet, but when they do get the job, there's going to be a couple of interesting questions that they need to handle Pretty quickly. Drafting is going to be one of them. Obviously, figuring out the head coach is going to be a job for them. But we're at that point in the year where for the Calgary Flames, we can start looking ahead to impending UFAs. And while we're waiting for, of course, next year's crop of UFAs, that includes the big names of Backland, Lindholm, Toffoli, Hannafin, et cetera, et cetera. Tanev's in that group. Zadorov's in that group. Uh, there's a lot of big names next year, but there's still some names this year on the UFA list that I thought would be interesting to uh, to talk about. So we're going to put our GM cap on. Brody's going to join us for this. we got Taylor on the other side as well, ready to do this. And we'll use you the text line at 960-960 if you're listening live to join in on the UFA. Should they stay or should they go edition for the Calgary Flames? Now, not a huge offseason when it comes to UFAs. But we got five gentlemen on the list who are having expiring contracts with the Calgary Flames. We'll go around the table and uh, quickly discuss whether or not, if we were the Calgary Flames GM, we would be interested in re-signing all of them. 
Uh, there are three forwards, Milan Lucic, Nick Ritchie, and Trevor Lewis, Troy Stetcher, and Michael Stone on the back end. Once again, 960-960. Put your GM cap on as well and shoot us a text. Uh, should they stay or should they go? Nowhere else to start on this, you guys, but uh, with the forward that no doubt has had the biggest impact, not only on the salary cap, but probably on the ice since he came uh, to the Calgary Flames in a trade for James Neal. Uh, there was a draft pick involved. There was salary retention involved. And finally this year, uh, Milan Lucic's contract with the Calgary Flames has expired. He is 34 years old, is now a UFA, the native of British uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, finishes his fourth season with the Flames. 77 games played, 7 goals, 12 assists for 19 points. Uh, that is his lowest output as a flame, putting up 20, 23, and 22 in previous seasons. Mr. Brody, since you're hanging out with us today, you'll start this off. Uh, Milan Lucic, should he stay or should he go? If you were the GM, would you be offering a contract to Milan Lucic? Um, no. Uh, I think this is probably the easiest one to make this decision on uh, from this list. Lucic... I've I still think he's an NHLer, um, but not here with the Calgary Flames. I think he he brings a lot, um, but he's not bringing what we need here in Calgary from him. So, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I don't really need to justify it. I don't think Lucic should have a future with this team, but I would like to see him pick him up, see, see him be picked up somewhere else, maybe just for a lot less money. Uh, Taylor, Lucic, stay or go? I, I think it's time for him to move on from the Calgary Flames. That's a go from Taylor. Fair enough. Do you um, want a reasoning? I would love just, a reason, yeah, okay. if you had one. Um, When you have Lucic, who just, he doesn't seem to have a place on the team anymore. He was put on that top line for a while because there was nobody else for that. But you now have Dewar, Peltier, Coronado, who can slot in there and be more productive than Lucic has been. Yeah, and I like that a lot because the biggest thing for me is I, I don't think there's the nuclear deterrent anymore in the NHL. I'm sorry. I know there's a couple of of, of heavy hitters out there. Um, Milan Lucic might still be the heaviest of those hitters, but just because you have those guys doesn't mean that they go at it anymore. I mean, we had a couple matchups this year you guys will remember against Minnesota, who had since acquired Ryan Reeves, who many would put the the heavyweight title belt on in the NHL. Him and Lucic really didn't even cross paths in those games, so it's not like that was a guarantee. And you know, look, fighting's down across the NHL. We know that. I, I just don't think there's a need to have that guy on your roster. I think plenty of guys stand up for teammates nowadays. I think that's... I think having that one guy is sort of an old school mentality of thinking. And to Taylor's point, I think give it, look at some of the guys that this organization's had in the last couple of years that could comprise a much more difficult fourth line to produce against Garnet Hathaway comes to mind. Derek Ryan comes to mind. Uh, Walker Dewar, obviously this year, those are the kind of guys I want to see on my fourth line. I think that we don't have to talk about, the fourth line always being this heavy checking line at all times. I think there's a possibility for them to be a young two-way line or to let young NHLers pick up some valuable ice time. If, to me, it doesn't always have to be about, you know, veteran NHLers who are, are still looking for a spot in the league. Not to say that to your point, Alex, that I don't think Lucic isn't an NHLer either. I think he absolutely can play in the league, but, I think I'd like to see a mentality shift when it comes to who plays on that fourth line. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the way I look at a fourth line, especially like personally is you want them to sort of not challenge the top lines, but push the top lines to be better. And I just feel that with Milan Lucic and, you know, we'll get to Trevor Lewis, but I think the current fourth line just wasn't really pushing our, our top lines to be as good as they really can be. And it kind of creates this sort of dynamic of the the norm, I guess. The, the status quo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think like Walker Dewar should be 
the quarterback, he should be commanding that fourth line because he will push not only that line to be better, but the lines above him to step up their game so they're not getting shown up by these fourth line youngsters. Uh, let's see a couple texts at 960-960 on um, Milan Lucic. Um, and look, as always, this is, look, you don't have to go far. You've both been in the press box. You've heard the Luches, uh from high above. There's a lot of um, love for him in this city, and I think that he did a lot of good here as well. I'm not trying to, not with any of these guys, I want to be clear. We're not trying to push anybody out. It's just simply an exercise for, for us on radio. Uh, this one says, if they let Luch go, They'll have no muscle. The Flames will truly be pushover. Luch comes to Vegas. Uh, this one says, I'll put Lucic in the staying league minimum, playing 55 to 60 games as the 13th forward. Uh, this one says, I think Luch was quite clear in his interviews at the end of the season. He won't be back. Richie will fill his role next season. Uh, this one from AJ says, Elephant in the room. No one's messed with us physically since he's been there. Would we bring him back at a fourth line reduced contract? Uh, this guy, Landon, texts in saying, Luch for captain. This guy's infectious, gets his cheer, gets cheered in opposing arenas. Uh, I've heard people call the name of the dog park, absolute part of the game and the city. Uh, Tim says, if Luch wanted, I'd offer him an advisor position if his playing days are done. He's a great leader. Uh Let's see here more on the Luch. This one says Luchi just got to go. It's from Darren. Uh, he's not worth a base salary. I wouldn't want to embarrass him by offering him a two-way contract to suggest he's an NHL or those uh, who can't skate, can't play in the NHL. I like what Stetcher brings is a five-six defenseman, so I'd make him an offer. Lucic, I would, or Lewis, I would offer a very low price to stay. Uh, this one says I'd keep Luch for a million bucks a year. Uh, this one says logo Luch has been ducking Reeves for a couple of years now. I don't know. They both kind of ducked each other the last couple of games, I would say, but that's just me. Uh, this one says, I think Lucic should stay for the lack of ice under Daryl. There could be a use for him and he should be treated better. Like with respect, uh, flames look slow this year. Big Luch looked the slowest, cut him loose. Uh, this one says, what about Lucic for home games only? Playing on the fourth line with some youngsters, a good leader who can pass wisdom on to the next generation of flames. And uh, this one says, not sure who, but you definitely need a big body to allow room for smaller forwards on the flame. So a bit of a mixed bag there from the text line when it comes to Milan Lucic. And look, I, I totally appreciate a lot of the extra things that, that Milan brings to the organization. And I think there clearly would be a lot of people who at a reduced salary uh, would be interested in having Milan Lucic back in Calgary colors. Let's go to the next one on the list, guys. So that's Nick Ritchie. Uh, acquired the trade deadline with Troy Stetcher in exchange for his brother, Brett Ritchie, <laughs> and uh, Connor Mackey. Uh, boy, for a guy that only got into, what was it, 16 games, uh, there sure was a lot of talk about Nick Ritchie and a lot of it coming thanks to a failed shootout attempt against Nashville goaltender UC Saros. But Alex, he finishes with four goals, one assist, and five points in 16 games. Small sample size. Uh, he was a former top 10 pick uh, in 2014 by the Anaheim Ducks. He's traveled around a lot. His latest stop to Calgary Flames. Would you extend his stay in Calgary? I might upset a couple of people with this take, um, but I think Richie's getting a bit of an unfair bad rap here. Like, first, I would ask one thing. Everyone signed, seems to criticize him for his penalties. In 16 games with the Flames, how many penalty minutes do you think he took? You might be able to see it in front of you, but I have the number, but yeah, yes, it's I... 10. Like it's not, it's not like he's taking a penalty every game. He's not, he's not like, I feel like he was almost painted as like a huge, I think one taker. of those games he took two penalties as well. So yeah, it might be, it's definitely less than one per game. For yeah. Sure. And like, I know sometimes they don't come at the best time, but the shootout, do you think Nick Ritchie was like, pick me and put me there? Like I, I, I have a, my, I don't know this for sure. I guess I shouldn't come out and say, but I don't think Nick Ritchie was out there like, pick me, pick me to Daryl Sutter for that shot. I think it was a Daryl Sutter decision and he had to go out there with all this pressure on his back and do it. So I like, I'm not ready to give up on Nick Ritchie yet, uh, but it would have to be at a really good deal for me to be convinced that he can stay here as a Calgary flame. But I just think he does get a little bit of a bad rap for stuff that somewhat out of his control to an extent. 
So you'd be interested in keeping Nick Ritchie into next year? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. Uh, Taylor, how do you feel about Nick Ritchie coming back with the Calgary Flames? I'm a little iffy on Nick Ritchie. Um, just because he, every game was kind of a, what player are we going to get today? Mm-hmm. Right? It was up and down. There was consistency. And then the next game, he kind of fell off the face of the earth and was barely noticeable. So I think that he needs to get a little bit more consistency in his game to be an NHL regular. So you could keep him at a two-way contract, have him in the Wranglers and get him building his confidence and getting that NA or hockey game regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is that consistency to his game you're talking about? Yeah, gets him. And then before he gets into the NHL, he kind of understands what he needs to be doing. And then when he is put into the NHL, he is good to go. Yeah, Nick Ritchie's an interesting one to me, and I, I would actually be interested in keeping Nick Ritchie. I think if the number made sense, it would have to be a discount on the two and a half that he was signed to last season. Um, obviously, since the Flames aren't exactly swimming with cap room anyways, that's going to have to be the case. Um, but if you told me, I don't know, 1.5 or less on a one-year contract, I might be interested. This is the frustrating thing, is everything that Taylor just said about the consistency or the inconsistency in Nick Ritchie's game is the reason that he has been on the Ducks, Bruins, Coyotes, Leafs, Coyotes again, and now on the Calgary Flames. It's because he has all the talent in the world. He was probably in those 16 games, I would argue, one of the better consistent Calgary Flames at getting to the front of the net and causing some trouble there. And I think most, if not all of his four goals, I think with the exception of maybe one of them, we're all garbage goals that you'll call them, right in front of the net, causing havoc, finding a rebound, all that sort of stuff. And I want to see more of that from this Calgary Flames team. He's just 27. I think he has a higher ceiling than his brother Brett did offensively. He's put up some good points in the NHL. His career high has put up 31 points a year uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. I think he could be. He's put up 15 goals at one point uh, with the Boston Bruins. I think in the right situation contractually, uh, that Nick Ritchie could be a good fit here for the Calgary Flames, sort of a a bottom six guy to help provide a little bit more offense. And I think to our previous player that we just talked about, Milan Lucic, I think some of those things that you might think you're missing with Milan Lucic leaving, I think Nick Ritchie could provide. He's a tough guy uh, when it comes to fighting. I don't think he got into a scrap with the Flames, but he has before. Uh, He was listed at 6'2", 230. He is... Uh, as tough as his brother. I know that much for sure. Uh, he's been in some major scraps over his years in the NHL. So I think in the right circumstance, I would absolutely be interested in, in bringing him back. And I think that's also good value asset management for the Calgary Flames to try to make it work, um, given that you traded a young piece in in Connor Mackey for him. And I, I think I saw enough in 16 games that I would be comfortable bringing him back. Um, again, has to be at the right price. Has to make sense for us, but uh, we'll see. Uh, a couple of texts on Nick Ritchie at 960-960 as we're uh, going through some Flames UFAs and asking you on the text line to join in on this. Uh, Dave says, Nick Ritchie is a go for me. Too many stupid penalties. Uh, considered a lazy player by former teams. Uh, this one says he plays for a coach to put him in the shootout and a playoff survival game and on the second power play, no shot he fills in with a fourth line role. Uh, this one going back to the uh, shootout point that you were making there, Alex. He almost scored there on that. You're absolutely right he did. I actually think he might have had one of the better shootout attempts against Soros in that situation. Um, he did put on a decent move. Again, he's got good hands. He just can be so frustrating because of those lazy penalties every yeah. now and then. And because of that inconsistency, you go, man, if you were dialed in for 82 games or screw it, 70 games, for being honest, Maybe there's a 15-20 goals guy there. I like the size he brings, too. Uh, this one says, I agree about Richie. I have no issues with him. I have a problem with the guy who put him in the shootout. Um, it's no different than why so many people hated on Brett. He was put in a position to fail by Jeff Ward, who tried to make him be effective with Monaghan and Goudreau. That's not on him. That's on the coach. 
Uh, so there's a couple on Nick Ritchie. Uh, last forward group uh, member of the UFAs that we're going to talk about, guys, Trevor Lewis. Uh, 36 years old now, finishing up his second season with the Calgary Flames. 80 games last year, 16 points. He improved on that this year in 82 games, 20 points, 9 goals, huh. and 11 assists for 20 points. Uh, he's at 892 career games. He is a loyal Thudder soldier, as we know, through the years and uh, is looking for a new contract, said he'd be interested. Loves Calgary, is uh, ready to keep playing if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, we'll switch this up a bit. Taylor, would you bring back Trevor Lewis next year as a UFA? I'm on the fence about Lewis, too, because he had such great chemistry with Dewar. But just kind of outside of that, he didn't add a lot to the team, in my oh. opinion. Alex? Yeah, so my thing what like that kind of sticks about Lewis is he's 36. Like that is pretty old in the sport of hockey. He is on his deathbed. But no, but the crazy so the crazy thing is this is only the second time in his career he's played an 82 game season. The other season being uh 2016-2017 with the Kings. It's been a while. So like this he's not showing signs of age like clearly. So I'm also kind of on the fence because like I I have the I, I sort of jumped to that age and it's definitely an eyebrow razor but all signs point that he is healthy, he's fit, and he's still ready to to be that guy. So, I don't know. I, I also think this is, you know, like you said, he's one of Sutter's guys. So, he's, he's seen as a reliable presence on that fourth line. Uh, I'm I'm re- This is the one, out of all the players we're talking about, this is the one I'm really on the fence on. Uh, but if he signs on a min deal again, like, I don't see where you can go wrong with that. Yeah, here's the thing for me about Trevor Lewis and why I'd keep him is because I don't think in any way, shape, or form, even given his age, he just he doesn't hurt you. There's nothing that Trevor Lewis does that to me is a negative on his on his team. He's a good teammate. He's a, I think an underspoken leader as a guy that's by far one of the more veteran guys in the league. He is a Stanley Cup champion, as we know. The head coach values quite a bit, and I, I think he does a lot of those things that aren't necessarily valued I mean is it pretty to be you know the first guy over the boards as a penalty killer all the time no that doesn't always show up on the stat sheet but when you're a top five penalty killing team or a top 10 penalty killing team um, that's where it really matters and for me especially given how this Flames group works guys like Trevor Lewis are important a guy who's bottom six that can play special teams time and take a shift away from Backland or Lindholm or Kadri on the penalty kill to me is so important because I don't want those guys necessarily focusing all their attention on having to kill penalties every night. If somebody else can come in and and take some of the load off of their shoulders at a league minimum salary, and hey, he chipped in 20 points this year. He almost had 10 goals. I'm all for that. I just don't see the negative in bringing Trevor Lewis back, even if Daryl Sutter's not the coach. He's accepted where he is at this point in his career that he's not you know, pushing the limits of a one or one and a half million dollar contract. He's fine making the money that he is and remaining in the NHL. And I I just don't see the negative in it. Now, the only thing I would say is if you are willing to get younger and give some of those younger guys in the organization an opportunity, uh, I would be a bit hesitant there because I want to make sure that um, I'm not blocking a young guy when it comes to bringing Trevor Lewis into the lineup. But at the same time, he is so versatile being able to play center or the wing or being your 13th forward that I think I'd be okay if Trevor Lewis uh, came back in that same kind of capacity. Uh, Quickly here on Lewis, uh, Taylor's 100% correct. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, Move on from Lucic, Lewis, and Richie. Time to make the team younger and faster. Uh, Sebastian from Calgary. Lewis is a great fourth liner, plays hard, mentors the young players. Uh, this one says, can't have Lewis back if Sutter's still there. He'll be used inappropriately. Uh, Sutter back, question mark, then Lewis is back, Richie's back, old guys with a ring, play a quote-unquote heavy game, he'll be back. Uh, Got to get through these last two here. Both of them on the defense. Uh, another one just like it with uh, the Nick Richie story is Tro- Troy Stetcher. Uh, probably more of an impact than uh, Nick had down the stretch. Troy Stetcher immediately came in. Uh, in 20 games for the Flames, seven points really solidified that back six for the Calgary Flames. And I think 
uh, was a nice add down the stretch. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Troy Stetcher, uh, oh. stay or go? Uh, you got to keep the Stetcher dog. He has adapted to this system, to this team, really, really well. The only thing is, uh, what's his cap hit here? Um, it's one point. Like He's on a nice deal. He might be looking for more money because of how well he showed up. Like this, this, his Him joining the Flames was effectively a tryout whether they made the playoffs or not, he showed up. I think the big thing before you can make a decision on Troy Stetcher is what the status of Shillington will be heading into next season. Uh, but like, there, all signs point that Stetcher would be a great addition to this team. And you know, people were were talking about, oh, we we might regret that we got rid of Valimaki. Stetcher is 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 fantastic. I think he's definitely your guy. Um, I would be keeping Stetcher. Absolutely. Taylor, would you keep Troy Stetcher around? Troy Stetcher is an absolute keep. He is, I mean, I've loved him since he played in Vancouver and he's just added so much to every team that he's been on that you can't not have him. You can't not bring him back. Yeah, I've liked Troy Stetcher a lot too. And even not knowing what's going on in the future with Oliver Shillington, I think this year taught the Calgary Flames a lot about the importance of of defensive depth. And like Alex said, when you lose a Valimaki and you you know, make different moves and guys get injured. You always are going to need a guy like Troy Stetcher, given the fact that he's a right-hand shot. I liked the offense he put up. Again, if Alex is right and he does say he's looking for a raise, that might be a bit tough to squeeze in, uh, being as cap-strapped as you are for the Calgary Flames, but I'd certainly be interested in having that conversation. And last but not least, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Stone, that legendary clapper from the back end, 48 games for Stone this year, dealt with some injuries, but still finished with six goals, five assists, and 11 points uh, in, uh, I guess this was part of year seven with the Calgary Flames when it's all said and done. Uh, Brody, real quick, Michael Stone, stay or go? <laughs> Sign him to a PTO and see what happens. <laughs> That's what I'd say. <laughs> Taylor? I'm kind of in that same boat, but I think think that it's time for him to go if he wants to like I know he loves Calgary so keep him on as like a player development person or something along the lines of that look if Michael Stone wants to be here and if Michael Stone is okay being that extra defenseman for the Calgary Flames and being that guy and uh I I have nothing bad to say about Michael Stone he works his ass off I think he makes every effort when he gets into the lineup to make a difference and I don't think at any point that I've ever heard from anybody has said, yeah, Michael Stone makes it difficult to be the, the extra defenseman that he's sitting there on the coach's door going, yeah, you can play me. I'm ready to play. Let's go. He gets it. He understands it. It's not always the best position to be in, uh, but as far as making the most of it, Michael Stone certainly does that for me. And uh, I love that patented clapper from him. And uh, if there's interest, he's a Calgary guy. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. Uh, I'd be very interested in bringing him back if I was uh, the Calgary Flames. Uh, so they'll do it for our five UFAs. Thank you to Alex and Taylor uh, for joining on. Thank you for uh, texting in at 960-960. We'll have this up on our social feeds as well. You can chime in there at Sportsnet960. Uh, which of the five UFAs upcoming this season for the Calgary Flames would you be interested in keeping around? Uh, that'll be up on Twitter and, and Instagram a couple other places. Uh, as the afternoon goes on. we got to take a break. Hour two is on the other end. We're trending NHL playoffs with Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto next. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.